is the cloud. It's not just pie in the sky anymore. SAP presents In the Cloud with Game Changers with your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Are you in the cloud yet? If you are, do you know how to maximize its potential? Get ready for an hour of innovations and innovators who will explain how they are using the cloud. Find out how to make it work for you or work more effectively for you. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. And welcome to the premiere of In the Cloud with Game Changers. You might be asking, why are we bringing you this show? Well, I'll tell you. Because when SAP Senior Vice President Reiner Zinal meets with customers and partners, this is what happens. Reiner says the same issues come up time and time again. They want to know, what exactly is the cloud? Well, on today's debut show, Reiner and several other cloud experts have the answers you need. You will go away with answers and facts and inspiration. Let me tell you a little bit about what else you're going to hear. We have Saugatuck Technologies' Bill McNee. He's going to talk about how today's businesses and individuals are less encumbered by constraints of time and place doing their work through a new array of time and location independent computing capabilities. You might have heard this before. Bill calls it the cloud, mobile, social, and data analytics plus integration package. We'll be talking to Bill in a few minutes. And we have Kamish Pemaraju from Dell on today. Kamish says, traditional businesses of all kinds, even those that don't define themselves as tech companies, can benefit from cloud innovations. Why? To improve productivity, agility, reduce costs, and here's the biggie, kids, compete globally with larger companies. That's what everybody aspires to. And Obam's Dr. Steve Hodgkinson says, cloud computing is emerging as a powerful new trend in the IT industry. Cloud services are usually better, usually faster, and you're going to love this one. They're usually less expensive. Cloud services do what they say on the label. Woohoo! So join us as we look skyward to learn how the cloud can change the game for your business. Welcome to In the Cloud with Game Changers. I am Bonnie D. Graham. This is our second series on the Business Channel brought to you by SAP. I'm absolutely thrilled to bring you this new show, and my guest lineup today is nothing short of stellar. So I'd like to bring on my first guest, Reiner Zinau, who is in Germany. He's a senior vice president in charge of strategic solution management for SAP's on-demand solution unit. Reiner, welcome to In the Cloud. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thank you, Reiner. I'm thrilled. I know it took a little bit of uh, maneuvering to get you, but we got you. I told you the show would not go on without you. And, you know, I broke a major show business rule, Reiner, because it's the show will go on. Well, I told them at the Business Channel, the show's not going on without Reiner. So I am delighted that we <laughs> we did this, and I'm glad. Why don't you talk to me for a second about, I have a quote from you, the cloud is less about technology and a lot about money. What does that mean, Reiner? Well, basically, Bonnie comes back to what you said in your opening statement. Um, what the cloud does for companies is it basically takes a financial barrier out. Uh, it, it's something that maybe Bill can also talk about a little later. In the early 90s, we saw how client server made suddenly solutions available for mid-sized companies, which were before that point in time only accessible to the super large enterprises because you had to have a mainframe. Today, with cloud computing, we see the same happening again. The barrier is coming down. So until now, if you wanted to have an industry-leading business solution, you had to have a certain amount of equity. You had to have an IT department. You had to have a couple of other things. With cloud computing, that goes away. And suddenly, these kind of solutions, which were only available to larger companies until recently, are now also available to all mid-market companies. That is... Well, I believe that cloud is more about the commercial impact uh, than technology, as much as uh, we developers obviously love to talk about the technology trends there, too. Thank you, Reiner. Would you say it's leveling the playing field? Is that a fair statement? You mentioned mid-market companies. And can you give me roughly a size for this in terms of, I don't know, revenue or number of employees or years in business? Is it leveling in the mid-section? It's basically, it's basically leveling, it's basically leveling the entire playing field. Uh, starting from companies down to, let's say, three employees, uh, up to companies of thousands of employees. But the interesting part is, and, and if we, if we talk real customers here, 
Um, you have a famous company in, in the U.S. Uh, called um, um, Skull Candy. They make these super fashionable headsets. I didn't know them until I went skiing with my boys, uh, and they said these are the cool headsets. It's a company which grows as the speed of light did last year their, their IPO. They said uh, when we met them three or four years ago, they said we don't want to have an IT organization and we don't have the equity to buy all of that equipment. So with cloud computing, they could get a business solution that two years before that would not have been available to them. So yes, it is creating a little playing field. And very much like the Internet and e-commerce, suddenly the size of your company does not matter anymore. If you're oh, on the Internet, if you have a great web shop, you can do whatever you want. Good to know. And that's why you're here today, Reiner, and my other esteemed guests. And we're going to be talking about this. Bill McNeil, I want to get your voice in here and talk a little bit about, uh, just briefly, tell me about what you call the boundary-free enterprise in terms of the cloud, Bill. Well, uh, thank you, Bonnie. You know, I, I think that the, the cloud in and of itself is a game changer as it has brought forth a new way of, of uh, you know, deploying business applications and computing resources and infrastructure uh, that's much easier and at a lower cost and, and uh, you know, often under a subscription model, which, as, as Reiner said, helps companies scale up and down. So they don't have these huge big capital outlays, right? So it's a new way of of, uh, of uh, uh, deploying and gaining value from from a technology solutions uh, uh, from a commercial computing perspective, but we view cloud not as a standalone technology, but one of several key technologies that combined together are helping to define a new master architecture. And um, in addition to the cloud, you know uh, there are other kind of uh, um, sister technologies that are helping to frame this, including mobility, uh, including social technologies, including advanced analytic technologies. We're referring to that as CMSA, Cloud Mobile Social Analytics. And mm-hmm. it's these technologies together and the synergies that they bring together that is helping to define this new master architecture. Um, whereas in the past, it was mainframes or minis or personal computers or Internet or client-server, as Reiner said. Today, it's a mix of these technologies that are shaping computing architectures. And out of this new architecture, we're getting a whole new way of gaining value. That's what we refer to as the boundary-free enterprise. Thank you, Bill. That's great to know. We'll be covering a lot more with you. And I want to bring on our third panelist, Kamesh Pemaraju. Kamesh, how are you? Welcome. And you you were on uh, my other show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we talked about cloud. But now we've started a dedicated show just for the cloud. What do you think of that, Kamesh? That's terrific, Bonnie. And uh, it's a pleasure to be back. Um, it's always wonderful to be on the show with you, Bonnie. Uh, the first uh, series was great. We had some really good people coming on the show, and we shared lots of insights about what's happening with cloud computing. So it's great to be back. Thank you. And you know what? We're just bumping up against break, but I have one quote I have to say from you, Kamesh, because I love this. You use a word that just so is aligned with cloud. You say cloud computing is a disruptive innovation, and that's why we call this series and the other series Game Changer, because Game Changers are disruptive, Kamesh, and you know that, Bill knows that, Reiner knows that, and after the break, we'll bring Steve Hodgkinson on, because Steve, we're going to save you for the second segment, but the whole concept of game changing is that you shake up the status quo. You say, what was is not enough. It's not good enough. There's something better. We're going to find it, and that's why we're here today, to help set the pace, define what we're talking about in the cloud. So let's go to break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're so thrilled to welcome you to our brand new show, in the cloud with Game Changers. We'll be back with much more from Reiner Zinno, Bill McNee, Kamesh Pamaraju, and we'll introduce you to, all the way I think from Australia, Dr. Steve Hodgkinson from Ovum. So take it away, Michael. We'll be right back. Business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. are in the cloud with game changers presented by sap if you have a question or comment for bonnie or her guests send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com you can also tweet your comments to pound sign sap radio during the show now back to in the cloud with game changers Yes, we are in the cloud with Game Changers. Welcome back. I'm going to welcome the voice of our fourth panelist today, all the way from, Steve, where are you from? You're calling from New Zealand or Australia or somewhere in between? Yeah, calling from Melbourne in Australia. Wonderful. Welcome to the show. Steve Hodgkinson, Dr. Steve Hodgkinson is Research Director for OVM's IT Research and Advisory Business in the Asia-Pacific region. Steve, you sent me the following two quotes. I like them both so much that I want to kick off this segment with you. Number one, you said, cloudy is as cloudy does. And number two, you said, cloud is the platform, agile is the behavior. Can you just tell me a little bit about both of those or whatever your favorite one is? Yeah, sure, Bonnie. Thanks very much for inviting me on the show. So, cloudy is as cloudy does is the phrase that I use to um, sum up for my clients the fact that the big advantage with cloud computing compared to other types of technology is the fact that the services are already available, already operational, and the choice for customers is really all about do I decide to use this service, is it right for my business, rather than um, having to go out and, and build something which may take a very long period of time and have many risks associated with it. So Cloudy is as Cloudy does. Um, Cloudy is the platform and Agile is the behaviour. Um, is the way we try and look at um, the, the opportunity that Cloud presents to present uh, a platform um, which you can either configure applications in or build applications in. Um, and do that in a much more agile way because substantial parts of the solution environment already exist and already are operating, um, and it's possible to configure up um, and launch applications now much, much, much more quickly than it ever was before. So the platform that Cloud presents um, enables businesses to be much more agile and to move much more quickly. Thank you, Steve. That's a good introduction for your point of view. Reiner, I'm going to bring you in on this. You agree with what he said, cloud is a platform, agile is a behavior. Would you elevate the word agile to that level of, of behavioral impact on the cloud? And I believe that's talking about the energy and the culture of the companies that are embracing the cloud. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, would, I would fully agree because at the end of the day, and when companies ask me what is the difference between between a cloud-based implementation and a more traditional implementation, then I typically talk about these two points. I talked about the first one that from a commercial standpoint, mm-hmm. it is much more attractive because you don't need equity. The second point is agility. Agility means in our industry, if you decide today that you would want to start your implementation tomorrow, you can do this. There's no need to first go out and shop for hardware, shop for a consultant who can install all of that stuff. You say you want it, and your cloud service provider immediately provides to you that environment without you having the IT department and all the other things. So therefore, yes, it is all about agility, and it is about really moving at the speed of light in the cloud. Interesting. I want to bring in uh, Bill McNeef from Sagatuck on this conversation as well. What do you think about the cultural aspect, Bill? We're talking about how this is available, but what's the mindset of these companies that are people listening to us today, Bill, could be from any size company anywhere in the world because this is a global station. So the question is, what's the DNA of the people who are thinking about what you call enterprise without boundaries and, and people who are saying, yeah, it's time for us to game change? Who do you think they are, Bill? Well, well uh, Bonnie, let me first follow up on the conversation about agility because, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of firms are on a, you know, pursue a journey 
as they move toward the cloud. And while their initial experience might very well be driven by a desire to save money, and they do realize cost savings, uh, over time it, it, it is in some ways they learn about the benefits of faster time to market and greater business agility and flexibility. And ultimately that business agility and flexibility will trump the hard cost savings that they achieve. So that's the experience that we've had, and the firms that have been further along this journey, in particular those in North America where we've seen more you know, rapid adoption, are further down this curve. I recently was in Germany, for example, and I think the discussion still is focused on cost. It's less around flexibility and agility, not with all firms, but you know, in several of the conversations that I had. I'm seeing in the Pacific region, for example, this is where, in fact, where we're seeing some of the highest pure cloud strategies um, uh, be adopted as they are leapfrogging traditional architectures and going directly toward pure cloud approaches. You know, in, in many cases, companies have a large existing footprint, uh, whether that be a mainframe or mini or a PC network, whatever it might be, and therefore um, they evolve to the cloud through what we're talking about, referring to as hybrid architectures that combined on-prem and cloud assets. Those Asia-Pacific firms, those Chinese firms, those those uh, Australian firms, uh, mm-hmm. for our, our uh, colleague on, are often are bypassing uh, as they don't have the the legacy uh, on-premise infrastructure. So they're just able to go right there. Now, I, I, I want to bring on uh, Kamesh. You had an interesting talking point you sent me. We're talking about cloud, and you say there are two types of approaches. One is revolutionary, and one is evolutionary. And I think this is a good segue from what, what Bill was just talking about. You want to join us in on this? Absolutely. So what Bill just said is, is the evolutionary aspect of you know, taking your existing legacy investments and moving them into a cloud-like environment. So it's, it's more of a you know, step-by-step incremental approach, and, and that happens with a lot of companies that have a large existing legacy infrastructure or, or a large existing legacy application footprint. Uh, and for them, uh, they do want to reduce the time and staffing required to provision IT resources um, and to improve the agility. There's an agility aspect to that, too, because even with the evolutionary approach, it is possible to um, increase the response times of the traditional IT organization. Now, contrast that with what we're calling revolutionary. Revolutionary is disruptive. So you're, you're basically jump-starting or going beyond and using some of the latest uh, technologies that are coming out um, in the cloud space. So think of uh, an online gaming company, for example. It wants to introduce a new online game and expects to have hundreds of thousands of players. I mean, that's the kind of application you cannot it's, – it's maybe possible, but it's very difficult to build on traditional infrastructure because you need massive scale and you need to scale up very, very quickly. Uh, and you can't afford to have a lot of upfront fixed cost investment, and you want to go to market quickly too. So, so that's what I mean by revolutionary is to utilize most of the new technologies that are coming out to, to leapfrog, as Bill put it, and use some of the latest innovations that are out there. Thank you, Kamesh. And I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of defining for me before I, I Steve, I have a comment from Steve, but I want you to do a definition for me, Kamesh, first. You, you're yeah. just going to talk to me about the difference. Just tell everybody the difference between private cloud and public cloud because uh, Steve has something very interesting to say about public. So how would you very simply tell somebody who's just tuning into our show today, has heard the buzz, and they really don't know the difference? What would you educate them on? Yeah, this is an age-old debate. I've been in this in this space for a few years, and this keeps coming back over and over again. So, if so, it's a, I have a very simple rule of thumb to determine whether it's private or public. If you are not invest, if you don't have a server, if you don't ever look at a server, and you, all you're doing is logging into a browser and accessing services somewhere that are far away that don't belong to you that you don't manage, that's really public. I mean, think of Gmail or. I mean, we use cloud services every day in our private life. Whenever we send out a tweet, we're using cloud. Whenever we post something on Facebook, we're using cloud. 
whenever we use uh, Salesforce CRM, we're using cloud. That's, those are all public cloud services. You don't ever look at a server. You, you never look at any um, you know, uh, capital investment there. Private, on the other hand, is you're actually having all that capacity, all those servers and all those, all those equipment where you can actually, you're actually building them and you're using them internally within your firewall. Or it okay. could be managed by somebody else too. I mean, either way, um, you, you own it or you manage it and or manage okay. it. Thank you. And let's bring on Dr. Steve Hodgkinson. Steve, you tell me a big, big, big advantage of public cloud services such as SaaS is the system can be seen in operation today. It exists, it's proven to work, and it's already working. Big statement. Do uh, you want to tell me a little more about that? Yes, it comes back to the cloudy is as cloudy does kind of idea that um, the big advantage is the fact that these systems are already operational. So, um, and not only are they already operating in the sense that you can start to use them today, which is great, you don't have to build anything, um, and they can be flexibly configured to meet your specific business requirements. Um, but one of the other really big advantages of these um, uh, enterprise-grade software as a service um, offerings is the fact that they iteratively evolve. Um, so not only are they meeting your needs today, but because there are hundreds of thousands of users um, involved in using the systems, they're continually being updated and improved by the vendors. So they're iteratively evolving to introduce new functionality to all of the users who are all sharing one, essentially one instance of the system. So it's, it's quite a radical idea um, for businesses to get their head around the fact that um, these services improve and get better without the customer needing to explicitly specify and buy new functionality. Um, it's a huge advantage um, for uh, for companies, and, and this is a, a big source of, uh, of the agility that comes with software as a service um, because things, for example, like um, mobile access um, and uh, connection or integration with social networking systems, for example, just become service attributes um, of the offering. Um, if they don't do it today, they will do more of it tomorrow and more of it the next day. So over a period of months and years, um, the service evolves forward um, and, and meets more and more of the functional needs of, of people without them having to specify and build all that themselves. It's a huge advantage. Very interesting. We're almost at the end of this segment, and I want to bring up two points. One, I'm just going to comment on something Steve said, and then I'm going to open up a new line of conversation for when we come back after the break. Steve, you told me, and this is going back to our initial comment or my initial comment about the culture, you said there are some new mindsets required to become an intelligent customer of cloud services. You want to give me just a sentence or two on that, and then we'll use that as a jumping-off point? Yeah, the big the big change in mindset is the whole idea of um, consuming a service that already exists um, uh, and adapting the way you think about your business requirements to work with that system as compared to the old logic of regarding business requirements as set in stone and needing to be built into a dedicated system to meet your needs. So we're seeing this idea that business requirements are increasingly becoming contestable in IT projects, which means that the idea is to understand the functionality that already exists in a software-as-a-service offering and then to look at how that functionality can be used to suit your business needs. And you may even need to think flexibly about how you change your thinking about your requirements in order to get the value out of the software-as-a-service offering. And it's a much more flexible, agile kind of approach because it doesn't require um, building customised um, functionality, which takes a very long time, is high cost sure. and is high risk. The Thank you, Steve. are becoming contestable. Okay, thank you. And you know what? When we come back after the break, we're going to take a deep breath here on this end. I'm going to kick it off with Reiner Zanel from SAP. Reiner, you said, and this I think is a major, major concern. I thought it was. You're telling me it's not. You say security concerns will become less and less relevant in the next years. This is important because I think that's one of the things companies looking at the cloud say, but 
but my data, will I have access? Who's minding it? Who's looking at it? Is it being commingled? Is it safe? So we're going to start the second segment with security concerns, and Reiner will kick us off. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to the debut edition of In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. Okay, we're back, and thanks for letting us take a break. We took a deep breath, and we're back with security concerns. Reiner, was this really ever an issue when the word cloud reared its head on the IT landscape? And what do you think it, it is today? Where is it going? Well, security today is, is more of a psychological problem than a real problem. But uh, uh-huh. every customer is obviously interested, uh, where does my data reside? Uh, actually, when we're working with, with U.S. customers, a Patriot Act uh, is a question. How easy is it that somebody else can access my data? Uh, let me tell you, the amount of data security and data privacy protection uh, that large companies, large cloud service providers can put and can invest goes far beyond what a regular company normally can do. In a regular company, I'm happy when I even see a fire extinguisher um, <laughs> not to talk about uh, the kind of things that we have in place. So my point of view is, yes, security is an issue. Companies want to know where their data is. Uh, the large cloud service providers can easily back up their statements about security with the respective international certificates, be it the ISO 27001 or formerly mm-hmm. the SAS 70 Part 2 certificate. And as companies get used to how secure that data is, that issue will go away over time. Okay. I know Bill is just chomping to join this conversation. Well, Bill I'll, McNeil, I'll, just, I'll just add in, Reiner. You're being polite to call this a psychological barrier security. I think you brought up two very different things. One is the issue of security, and the other issue is of privacy. And the reality is whether you're a cloud infrastructure provider providing data center services and storage and compute, or whether you're further up the stack into the platform layer or into the applications layer, um, SaaS, software as a service, and cloud providers are providing superior security than even what the largest of corporations can deliver on a global scale um, because that is core to their service delivery. So in many ways, security has been at the top of our list of concerns from surveys we've been doing in this area for seven or eight years, it will always be near the top, but the reality is uh, a very, very different story. I do think the privacy issue is a very different one, and um, there are a number of laws, including the Patriot as well as a variety of uh, EU and country-specific laws that are increasingly actually um, uh, going against the grain of what a cloud computing architecture is all about, where on the back end, the compute services just provided as a utility 
and you don't even know where that uh, server might be located. Look at China, for example, and all the, the uh, problems they've had with um, uh, uh, Google and others that are making it mandatory that um, you know the data stay in country. Look in, in Germany, for example, with some specific issues related to um, you know uh, having the service specifically be in country. Um, and Germany's not alone; France, uh, etc. So this whole issue of of data privacy and the location of serv- uh, of servers at a, on a country level, I think, is a very relevant issue and will actually complicate things. And, and in my personal opinion is, unless we come to a more global understanding and a set of standards, uh, certain parts of the, the world will become less competitive uh, because they will not be able to com- you know, uh, effectively compete technologically uh, in leveraging this new architecture. Thanks, Bill. I'm going to throw this question open. Who are the ones who are the most nervous about this? Is, is it big companies? Is it little companies? Who's the one sitting on the edge and gritting their teeth and saying, okay, we'll make the leap, but we're really not sure? Anybody want to so, take that? So the smaller companies, Bonnie, um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of the discussions I had over the years with uh, you, know, small, you know, small to medium-sized CIOs never brought up security as an issue. Uh, they basically said what uh, Bill and Reiner said, which is you know, those companies – have far more um, investment into security, far more expertise than I can ever hope to invest in my own little, you know, uh, little shop. So I trust that they have much better security. Now that said, the the situation changes a little bit when you talk to the very large enterprises. Uh, okay. The very large enterprises obviously have uh, in-house security experts. They have built their infrastructure and security uh, policies, etc., over a long period of time, and it. Uh, for them, it gets very difficult for to work with public service providers. There, there are a bunch of there are a couple of other things that weren't addressed earlier. Mm-hmm. One is it's not a technical issue from a security point of view. I think the technical concerns have been resolved, have have been addressed over the last few years. Uh, the issues are around control, uh, and Bill pointed out privacy issues and geographical location. And the third one is compliance, regulatory compliance, and many public cloud providers uh, don't provide all the kinds of compliance uh, certifications that are needed, like, for example, HIPAA or, or you know, PCM, PCI compliance. Uh, some of them do, but not all of them. So part of what companies have to do is to do their due diligence and see what kind of certifications are needed for them to go to public cloud. Thank you, Kamesh. And, yes, and Steve right. Hodgkinson, Steve, I want you to bring in on this because I know you've told me that you have had discussions with executives who've had hands-on experience with cloud services, and you say that their concerns about security and privacy of information in the cloud are overstated. Talk to me. Yeah, look, uh, I deal with, uh, with a lot of um, uh, government organizations, and um, data sovereignty, privacy, security are the concerns that, that they worry about. There is a fundamental problem with the fact that uh, legislative environments are geographically bounded. Uh, each country tends to have its own specific legislation, even each state within countries regarding privacy and regulatory issues. Um, whereas cloud is, uh, you know, by definition, a global, um, a global service. So there is this discontinuity between the two. The pure efficiencies of cloud are global. Um, but the consumption of the service is within a regulatory environment of a particular state or country. And often the regulations are not all of the same, um, and uh, agencies and government particularly have concerns about the fact that the, um, the legislation that binds on the cloud provider is not the same as the legislation that, that uh, binds on them in a regulatory or a legal compliance sense. So they need to work through all those issues. The main thing I keep coming back to with my clients is the idea that what matters is whether or not your cloud provider is enterprise-grade, is a, is a fully enterprise-grade organization which is capable of entering into contractual commitments mm-hmm. um, which are um, adequate to meet the needs of, of the client. Um, and so on privacy, for example, in Australia, there are a set of privacy requirements which oblige organizations um, to be compliant under the law to look after their data in particular ways. And um, an organization in Australia can be compliant with that as long as they back those obligations contractually to their cloud provider. But not all cloud providers are able to, um, to accept those, those legal obligations. 
Um, so the whole issue starts to actually feel a bit more like traditional IT in the sense that um, it does come down to the contract and the ability of the vendor to stand behind the contract um, and to be audited to be compliant with security regimes, with process disciplines, with how they would respond to particular requests from law enforcement agencies, particularly in that kind of thing. So it does come down to the contract again. Um, and the, the simplistic idea that a public cloud service is a globally uniform service and all customers will consume the service on the same um, kind of homogenized legal contract um, is usually not appropriate for large organizations and for government agencies. Um, so those things need to be specifically tuned to the regulatory requirements of each country as well. And yeah, we're starting, are, to, we're the starting large, to see um, that. Uh, we're starting to see that in the U.S., for example. Microsoft and Google and Salesforce and all of these companies have specific government offerings uh, that are tuned to the requirements of uh, the compliance and regulatory requirements for that space, including things like FISMA certification. Um, so we, we'll start to see some sort of gradation, grades or di differentiation in terms of levels of service that will be provided by these vendors over time. Thank you, Kamesh, for jumping in. I want to do a, an about-face here. We've addressed, for anybody who's, I hate the phrase, but I'll use it, a nervous Nelly about security and privacy, I think we've put that one, given it, given it some good mileage. I'd like to talk about winning in the cloud. And I'm going to turn to Reiner Zeno from SAP. Reiner, what is it going to take? People are listening to this show. They're saying, wow, cloud and game changer in the same sentence. That's interesting. But why don't you tell us what you think is the winning hand and to embrace the cloud, all of the opportunities and options it brings you, and what's the package going to look like that will let companies really piggyback off of that and move on to greater success? What do you think? Well, first we would need to say what, about what kind of company are we talking. Um, if, okay. if we talk about a, a regular, let's say, retail company whatsoever, um, and, and they say we, we want to grow fast, we may want to go international, we have uh, a combination of e-commerce and traditional commerce, uh, then I would really recommend to them have a look at what are the available solutions, for example, in the customer relationship management space, uh, in the human resource management space with cloud computing, and you know what, just try them out. There's nothing that can go wrong. Just try it. And don't think too long about it, just do it. The second sort of companies are software companies. And mm -hmm. with everything we discussed in the last hour or so, what this means is a game changer means that the traditional business model of software companies may not completely come to an end, but it will change dramatically. So for a software company, it means find out what is the right plat cloud platform that you want to bet on, that you want to build your applications on. Don't even consider a millisecond to build a platform of your own. But look for the leading providers. Look for the Amazons of the world, the Salesforce of the world, the SAPs of the world, and a couple of others. Not many will be able to deliver this, this cloud platform. And same as for the other companies, mm -hmm. get moving and move fast. <laughs> okay. You know what? You have moved us fast right up to the break, Reiner. I appreciate that. When we come back, we're taking our last break. I love my segues, don't you? When we come back, we're going to talk about the crystal ball. My guests are so omniscient and prescient in all those good scientific worlds. They're going to look into the crystal ball, and they're going to tell us in their best way of predicting the future what cloud will look like, sound like, taste like, whatever you want to describe it, five years from today. That's May 3rd, 2017. So I'll be asking Reiner Zeno from SAP, Kamesh Premaraju from Dell, Bill McNee from Saugatuck, and Steve Hodgkinson from Ovum to look ahead five years. Don't even think of touching that dial, that mouse, however you're listening to us. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. And thank you for sticking with us. This is our, I think, most important segment. We're going to look ahead five years. And I have a, a little twist for my guests they were not expecting. I'm not only going to ask you, Reiner, Bill, Kamesh, and Steve. See how good I am at remembering names. I'm, I'm not only going to ask you to predict five years ahead. I'm going to ask you to give a cloud weather report as part of your prediction. That's a little bit of a creative challenge. So Reiner Zeno, all the way from Germany, with us today. And thank you so much for joining us, Reiner. What's in the weather forecast and what's in the crystal ball for cloud? Well, weather forecast for where I'm right now, it's 16 degrees Celsius. It's, <laughs> it's in the middle of the night, and we're expecting some rain tomorrow. So that's much about the, the easy part of the prediction. Um, okay. Cloud five years from now, uh, I believe, as, as we've discussed it here, uh, in five years from now, cloud will be the standard deployment model for new software solutions. Uh, don't get me wrong, large corporations will not rip and replace their existing infrastructure, uh, but as Bill said it, the combination of cloud, mobile, social, analytics, and the integration part will give us a brand new category of applications uh, that work much more in combination and in collaboration than anything that we've seen before. So. The, the gap between traditional applications and this new breed of cloud applications will get wider and wider, and in five years, that will be our reality. Reiner, I'm going to ask you to give me a little deeper dive on that quickly, please. Five years, to some people, that's a heartbeat away, and some people, that's a lifetime away. What? How fast is this going to happen? In other words, if I had asked you to predict three years ahead, would you have said the same thing, or will it take the whole five years? Um. Well, in, in, it, let's be realistic. To build these kind of applications, which, which have all of these facets, especially they, they are designed for mobile applications in mind. They are designed for collaboration. Um, so they, they, they use things like that you can see today with Chatter or with, with other uh, social services. They mm-hmm. use all of the in-memory technology. Let's be realistic. It will take us or it will take the industry at least two years to build fully-fledged applications who have all of these aspects built in. So it, it will be gradually. I would say in, in two years from now, we will see maybe 40% of what I'm predicting. In three years from now, we will probably see 70% and then 80 and 100%. Thank you. Sorry to pin you down, but I thought it would be interesting to get a deeper perspective, and I appreciate your play, playing with me. Now, Bill McNee, Saugatuck, what do you see? Let's go for the five years. 2017, what's in your crystal ball? Well, I, I'd make two uh, sets of statements. One is that by 2017, greater than 75% of all new uh, investment that corporations, and, and my customers are mostly mid-sized and large enterprises, right? I, I'm not as focused on SMBs. It's probably higher for SMBs, small to medium businesses. But mm-hmm. 75% or more of new investment uh, will be cloud, pure cloud or hybrid cloud-based. 
I agree with Reiner. The the leg- very few things in technology go away. You build on top mm-hmm. of it. So the issue is, on the one hand, how are you spending your in- the portion of your budgets on innovation and cloud and hybrid cloud, which intertwines cloud assets with on-premise assets, will clearly dominate the the scenario going forward. But I think there's a second trend uh, that is going on at the same time, which mm-hmm. is that these new architectures, in particular infrastructure architectures, are increasingly being pre-configured, which is reducing the need for many corporations and IT organizations to do a lot of the system integration and testing that they historically did in-house. Uh, so that as we move forward with these new uh, highly pre-configured environments, and not just the use of public clouds, but uh, pre-configured private cloud environments, we're going to need less staffing, and that is going to free up uh, budget mm-hmm. to actually um, increase the amount of our IT budget that is uh, funding innovation rather than just turning the lights on and, and keeping our computers up and running and, and keeping the data center and applications current. The big implication of both of these trends is a significant transformation of the IT organization and focusing less, as it did in the past, on asset and cost control to increasingly around asset and cost coordination as you're managing these third-party providers. It is a increasingly a focus less around the standardization of technologies and providers to increasingly the standardization of interfaces to have this this uh, collection, this ecosystem of cloud assets all be able to effectively communicate and integrate, as Reiner had suggested. So there's really a new role and a new mission for IT, which is less about building, you know, buying and building and customizing and integrating and all this stuff that we've done for the last 20 or 30 years, and a new role in helping to manage this portfolio that will increasingly be uh, leveraging these third-party providers. Thank you, Bill from Sagatuck. Appreciate that. And Kamesh Pemaraju, I never gave your full title. You're now recently a Senior Product Manager for Cloud Solutions at Dell. And thank you so much for joining us again, Kamesh. So, Crystal Ball, you know how it's done, Kamesh. What do you see five years from today? I couldn't agree more with Bill uh, because we at Dell are in the business of building clouds. And what Bill said resonates a lot with what we are seeing in the in the marketplace, especially on the infrastructure side. The building blocks for cloud infrastructure, the, the type of stuff that Amazon does or Google does or even Microsoft does, isn't really quite yet available to the general marketplace. And that is where many companies are jumping into the fray to provide the building blocks of cloud infrastructure and also platforms on top of which companies can then deploy applications. These are not easy to build. There's a lot of complicated magic that happens behind the scenes. Uh, and those technologies are now getting, make, uh, they are being available more broadly, and that is all changing with the emergence of a large number of new players who are bringing new offerings to the marketplace. And we're also seeing the emergence of open source as a key innovation that's driving some of these uh, new offerings in the market, whether it's at the infrastructure level or at the platform level. You know, companies like Dell, VMware, uh, you know, HP, IBM, everyone is, uh, you know, working towards providing those building blocks so companies can actually, you know, use these things out of the box that are pre-validated, ready to go, and they don't have to worry about, you know, building these things, managing them, maintaining them, uh, paying, uh, paying whatever is needed to, you know, automate them, et cetera. These things come out of the box. And so if you look, into the into the next five years, um, as as these type of systems proliferate, you're going to see a lot of cloud services inside and outside the enterprise, and they'll be driven increasingly by new workloads, uh, as was mentioned earlier. Uh, big data analytics, uh, mobile is going to play a major role. Uh, social computing will become pervasive within the enterprise, uh, and also outside the enterprise, and all of those will just accelerate uh, the the use of cloud services both internally and externally. Thank you, Kamesh. And I have Steve Hodgkinson, Ogham. I can give you 45 seconds, honey. We're right at the end. So give me your best cloud prediction and shout it out. Go ahead. It's cold cold and coming up to winter here in Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) For for the outlook on cloud, I'm not quite as bullish in terms of thinking about 
um, huge percentages of things moving into the cloud. But what I what I do see is that the organisations that distinguish themselves as being innovative in five years' time will be the ones that are extensively using cloud service as opposed to continuing to invest in in-house fixed dedicated IT infrastructure of their own. And more and more of that is going to be about integrating services within the cloud as opposed to integrating services back into the organisation. Um, when we look out five years, the innovative organisations are going to be living in the cloud because that's where their customers and citizens and stakeholders are. Um, because more and more people in, in society will be using cloud services and we see uh, the, you know, the signs of this now with the Facebooks of the world and this type of thing. Because more and more customers are using and living in those spaces, organisations have to be there as well, which means they need to be using cloud services which exist in that public internet as their core way of interacting with their customers. Thank you, Steve. We are out of time. Upcoming next week on In the Cloud with Game Changers, we'll talk about what you've been hearing about today, the hybrid cloud. Kamesh is coming back to join us. The week after that, May 17th, the cloud creates jobs. Yes, it does. May 24th, we'll talk about ProServe, professional services in the cloud. And don't forget, Wednesdays, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, I'll be back to you with Coffee Break with Game Changers. Our topic next week is How Smart is BI Without a Strategy Part 2? Shoutouts, Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, like Malcolm Kimberlin and the Business Channel team. Thank you to Reiner Zeno from SAP, Kamesh Pemiraju from Dell, Steve, Bill McNee, Sagatuck, and Steve Hodgkinson from Ovum. Thank you again for joining us for the debut of our new show, Look to the Cloud. There's great stuff coming down the pike. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll talk to you next week here on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thank you again for being part of In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Please join Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. And be sure to tune in to our other program, Coffee Break with Game Changers, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, also on the Business Channel. Between shows, visit us at www.sapgamechangersradio.com.